Episode 13 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Could this really be a weakness? Alright guys, welcome along to episode 13 of Fitness Behaviour, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, this month is, what is it, it's September now and I'm, I'm kind of in my, my new house and I'm kind of loving it. Last time I recorded in my office but today I'm set up in my main living room and um, I'm very fortunate that I have a pretty cool view looking over the mountains and, and the city below and stuff so I'm kind of I'm kind of gazing off into the distance a lot today as I'm doing today's show. It's been, it's been a crazy busy month for me over the last period of time. I've been, um, I've talked to you guys, or you know, you listen to the show, and so you probably get a good understanding that I, I really wanted to target, uh, I really like to target people who aren't exercising. I, I like to grow the people who have been exercising for a while and develop their minds and give you tools that you guys can use to take it further. But I've always really been working hard in the last 18 months to kind of develop something that's going to get the real person, you know, the non-exerciser out there sh- um, exercising. And it, it's it's an area that you know you know if you listen to a few episodes you know it's an area that my industry is really struggling in and so I've been working really hard to get a product out called Get Up to Five. Now Get Up to Five is a um, well it's it's a walk group that starts walking for light jog and then getting them to run five k's in around eight weeks and um, I've been working over the last three months to get it ready for market and it's really interesting is that as a content creator and I think I've talked about this a little bit recently but it's as a content creator it's uh, you've got to walk the walk and you've got to walk the talk as well and, and it's one thing for me to get on here and say hey these are the things you need to do but I, I always believe that you need to be creating something within yourself and something for your will that actually really proves the things that you I don't know if I preach but I, that I suggest and um, so I wanted you know I had some running products that were really kind of top end products and they were going extremely well but I wanted to get that new product in place and so about six months ago we sat down with the team and we said well let's create a product for the new market and we got um, the idea of get up to five and you kind of already told you what that's about and going into a new product you know it's pretty hard as a business because you you don't there's nobody there's nobody else out there doing it and there's um, marketing wise you know you don't really have a budget because it's low early days and so we kind of went in with really low expectations around the sizes of the group that we could get for this first time and to be honest we've had twice as many people join as we actually originally set out with the target goal so it's kind of been really exciting because for me we're creating a pathway to get people from moving to running 5Ks, but then once we take them past it, we're then actually adding on another level, which will take them to running 10Ks and into half marathons and, and really taking them through the journey of exercise. And it's one thing, I was actually talking to someone about this yesterday, how you know, a lot of people could get out there and run 10Ks or a lot of people could get out there and push their ways through 5Ks or, or run a half marathon or, or do any event or, or something that's going to stretch you. And you maybe have to wake up tomorrow morning and make that happen. And while in some ways that's an achievement, you haven't actually learnt anything from the experience. And, you know, you've been around long enough and you listen to me long enough to know that for me, sport and exercise is one of those areas of life where you can learn life lessons that you can transfer into any other area and so 
you know, this is what we're finding with these groups that we have. We actually take them on the journey of an eight to ten week program and they actually learn lessons that they can then transfer into their workplace and into their, you know, other little areas of life, things like discipline and, and all the rest of it. And so while, you know, running 5Ks at the end will be a wicked amazing achievement for this group of people, it's actually about tra- training them or teaching them or, or letting them experience lessons that exercise can give you. And so it's been it's been a crazy month for me and um, – but I must say, it's one of the most rewarding things I do is is really creating these products that are actually getting non-exercises exercising. And, and it's interesting just to see the shift in their thinking. Like I've got emails from them about nutrition, how they're suddenly changing their whole diet. And, uh, you know, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very rewarding, but it's also been a very kind of full-on time for me. And I can't see it really quietening down because I'm trying to take this to the next level. So ideally, I really see um, the running stuff that I do being... New Zealand's top running kind of products because um, who knows where we'll go from there because I, I really see that we can create change in people's lives and running is one of those movements that pretty much anyone can do and so we've got you know pretty good opportunity there so I've kind of been consumed by that over the last month but I have been thinking a lot about what I'm going to do for today's show and it's an area that it, once you hear it I think you go wow I, I haven't thought of things this way and so it's, I know when I kind of sat down to design today's show it kind of brought up a lot of things in myself that I needed to kind of look at and to identify and, and all the rest of it um, anything else I need to kind of waffle on about before the show starts not really it's been um, we're coming into spring in New Zealand and it's it's lovely we had a couple of snow periods in Christchurch and normally in Christchurch we get a snow maybe once every 10 years and in the last month we've had two huge dumps and I actually got home stuck at home for three days where I couldn't actually get out of my house um, and I was kind of homebound and um, it was kind of a fun experience it doesn't happen often and our our city doesn't really have the infrastructure to handle that kind of weather so that was kind of a bit of a fascinating thing that happened and um, yeah that's pretty much it so I'm going to get pretty much into this week's show uh, or this month's show and uh, hopefully you can enjoy what we're going to be talking about on this month's show. I have this friend called um, Yuki. Yuki is this, is, is this Asian guy. He comes from Japan and um, he's been in New Zealand for around the last maybe five to seven years. And he started working at the gym, you know, about five, seven years ago. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was probably, let's say, seven years just to keep it consistent. And Yuki came into the gym and he started in a role as a gym floor instructor. Now, when you work at a gym, you know, if, if there's the lowest level job, it's the gym floor instructor. And, and the kind of person who it attracts is the person who wants to be a personal trainer. So it's kind of like a stepping stone moving you towards becoming a personal trainer. And most people who come into the job will, will, you know, you do it for three to six months maximum. You kind of do it, most people end up doing it pretty half-heartedly because it's just a part of the process of getting you towards personal training. And so, you know, they're pretty unmotivated and it's just, you know, a part of the process that they don't like but they have to do. But Yuki turned up around seven years ago, and he was one of those people, he's quite a charismatic character, he's, he's got lots of energy, and he's one of those people who just laughs a lot at anything, I love hanging around with Yuki, because he's one of those people who just makes you think you're funny, because he laughs at everything you say, so um, I really, he's become one of my good friends over the years, and um, but anyway, around seven years ago, Yuki turned up at the gym, and, and instantly you just were attracted to the energy that he brings to his environment, and, and all of a sudden, Yuki set this hugely high standard of how hard and how how amazingly you would work in this kind of 
role that most people don't really give a care about. Like the term at most gyms is that, you know, a, a gym floor is kind of like a glorified cleaner because really most, a lot of the time they're just doing a lot of cleaning work and, you know, it's not so much of an important job. But for Yuki, he, he really took pride in his job and everything he would do, he did to like the most amazingly high standard. So it was pretty obvious pretty quickly that Yuki was standing out in this role because most people wouldn't, you know, you know, really, I don't know, give it the respect it deserved. And and for that reason, Yuki became a really important person at our gym and so much so that he kind of, they actually end up keeping him in that role and looking after him because they realised how much value he brought to not just, you know, the gym, but even the people at the gym. And it's, it's really interesting if you kind of get to know Yuki because it really comes from, and it may be a different culture thing because it's it's interesting, he's from Japan and you, he's told me some stories about in Japan you work extremely hard for the boss because that's what you do. And we're in New Zealand, it's not that we're slackers, <laughs> but there's, you know, the, if you feel you're being hard done by in New Zealand, you tend to kind of say, well, bugger them and you kind of be a bit slack on it, whereas in Japan you work harder and it was just interesting learning the different cultural things. So over the last seven years, Yuki has really been a role model for anybody coming through. And, and, and to be honest, I, I don't think anyone's ever maintained the standard that he maintains for himself. But for Yuki, he 100% believes that you work as hard as you can and you do the best job you can. And the other thing that's really interesting when I would sit down and talk to Yuki about these types of things is he always felt he had an advantage because most people didn't respect the job enough. Now one thing I love about Yuki is, and it's, it's a bit of a Japanese culture thing, is I play music and you, you know I often talk about my music growing experience on this podcast, and I play um, piano and guitar and Yuki will come around to my house maybe once or twice a month on a Friday afternoon because we both don't work then. And he comes around and he sings with me and, and I love it because New Zealanders are a funny bunch. We're, we're not the type of people who are outgoing enough. I know I'm, I'm stereotyping here, but unless you're a really good singer, most Kiwis won't just come around to your house and jam out with you all afternoon and sing along. But I think maybe because the Japanese have that karaoke culture, when Yuki comes around, he'll come and he'll come spend three or four hours just singing with me. And I'm not saying Yuki's a terrible singer, but he's not the best singer in the world. And, you know, he he can hold a tune, but, you know, it doesn't matter because he just wants to have the fun experience around singing. And as a musician, I don't care if the people who come around are singing are good or not. I just want to play music with someone who sings because A, it gives me a chance to practice and B, it's music, it's great. Whereas Kiwis, you know, if you go to a party at the end of the night when everyone's drunk, we'll sing a heart out, but beforehand, it's a bit of a struggle. So often Yuki comes around to my house and we kind of sit out and we jam and we kind of, you know, we often talk about things as well. And a couple of months ago, he came around to my house and... Um, we kind of just, we jammed out for a while and then at the end we kind of sat down and just started talking about things and one thing you do need to know is that while Yuki has stayed as a gym, he's now the gym floor manager and he also does some gym floor work, on the side he started personal training as well. So he kind of had two jobs, one that was um, a permanent kind of guaranteed income with the gym floor and then the personal training business which was his own business that he was trying to develop on the side and ideally I suppose in his mind he would be getting to a point where long term the personal training would become the big thing. And, and that kind of made a lot of sense really because personal training benefits wise for Yuki there was a lot more benefits you know while he, he does an amazing job as a gym floor manager and you know on the floor himself you know financially he's pretty it's not the well it's an okay paying job but he could do a lot better if he went to personal training 
um, you know, there's more freedom with personal training. You can start to create your own products, your own vision, and, and there's so much more you can do with personal training than what you can when you're a gym floor manager. And so, you know, ideally, the idea was that over time he would shift his energy away from being the gym floor manager and moving towards personal training. And he'd kind of been ha- ha- making this happen. So we're sitting down, we're just talking about things, and we're talking about how it's all going with him. And First of all, we started talking about the gym floor role, and again, he kind of started reinforcing that concept that for Yuki, he takes so much pride in what he does, and that he has these, he's, he's, he's like set formulas at work, and he, you know, even the way he deals with people, you know, when he's at work, he's 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 very much in the servant service role where he's there to serve the customer and to make the customer feel as great as possible and you know and and to the bosses he wants to make sure that he is the best gym floor manager that they could ever have because he is just so phenomenal at what he does and then he started talking about a personal training business and he he'd been doing personal training for about three years at this point and his training business had been going okay to the point you know like he had enough clients to make it work, but it wasn't like it was a booming success. And and as we were talking, it was it was really interesting to me because he had these two different areas. One area where he was considered probably the best in the country at what he did, and then he had this other area where ideally he'd like to be really successful with it, but for some reason it wasn't really. Like I don't think he was failing, but it wasn't really at a place where maybe ideally he would want to go. Now, my judgment on this may not be the reasons he would go. He may listen to this and not necessarily go. But th- at this time, we were sitting down, and I, and I kind of said to him, "You know what's really interesting about you, Yuki, is that you have this area where you're so strong. You know, the group fitness manager. I mean, not the group fitness, the gym floor manager. You are so strong. You know, you're just absolutely phenomenal at what you do. But in the long term, it's not really taking you to a direction that you want to go in." In the long term, you want to become a full-time personal trainer who creates, you know, bigger picture stuff and, you know, wherever you want to go with it. And it's almost as though the personal training stuff is suffering because you're so strong as the gym floor manager. That you put so much energy into your gym floor manager work that you, you know, you impress the boss, you always go the extra mile and boy, this this guy does go the extra mile. He does every job to the best of his ability and he takes so much pride in it. But he doesn't put that same level of pride and energy into his personal training business. Now, I'm not saying his personal training business is not good at it, but it, I've got to be careful of how, what I say here. But, but if he were to devote that kind of energy into his personal training business, his personal training business would be going a lot further in, in, a, in a speed that he probably would want to achieve better. And while we're having this conversation, I kind of came up with the idea that his strength was his weakness. That ideally for Yuki, his strength was holding him back because he saw so much pride and so much esteem and so much value in being the best gym floor manager. But actually it was creating a weakness in an area he wanted to move towards. That ideally he needed to find another way to move away from that strength and look towards putting some of that strength into his own business, which in the long term would be heading him in a direction that he wanted to go to himself. Think about yourself. Think about the way you look at success in life. And, And I think this is where I want to go with this, is this whole, your strength is your weakness. And I think I, I think I want to look talk about a little bit of mindfulness here. So when we think about your strength being your weakness, if you look at when you get given a new challenge in, in your life, 
based on previous experience, you're going to come at it based on what you think will make you successful. And for every different person, there's going to be a different way of doing that. You know, how what you think is success may be different to what I think is a success formula I'm really talking about here. Like if, if you get given a project at work or if you get given a fitness challenge or if you get any kind of area where you need to develop or grow or, you know, create awareness around it. You, you often have a way to be successful. And, and if you read into mindfulness, mindfulness is something I've been reading a lot into recently and I find it really fascinating. And um, There's some really great books out there on mindfulness and it's, it's kind, of, um, kind of an Eastern um, religion kind of way of thinking. But they, they talk about the idea of how you look at the world will often be how you perceive the world. How you look at the world will often be how you perceive the world. And I think this really comes into play when we think about your strength becomes your weakness. I'll give an example. I, I work at a gym called Les Mills, and Les Mills traditionally has very much early days, but the you know it's been around for oh, about forty years. But in New Zealand, it's, it's pretty much what is the number one chain of gyms. And Les Mills, earlier on in the early eighties, really marketed itself around image, and almost to the detriment of itself. Like they, their, their slogan at the time was "Become somebody," which you know has so many meanings. And if you were the type of person who didn't want that kind of marketing there was a bit of anti around Les Mills because it was considered that it was a bit of elitist I suppose and, and nowadays we're not in that place but I don't think the gym of Les Mills necessarily did themselves some favours by having a marketing campaign based around you know become somebody and it's interesting when you get members who walk into our gym the hardest thing for Les Mills to have overcome and I think we're there now but for the longest time was was that message and when people walked into Les Mills they would look at, walk into it thinking only the beautiful people go to this gym. That only the beautiful people could walk into this gym. And so if you look at mindfulness, if you walk into a gym thinking only the beautiful people go to this gym and you may not feel like you're one of the beautiful people yourself, what is your mind going to be looking for? They're going to be looking for the reinforcement of your thinking. But let's do a comparison of that, you know, so you might walk in the gym, actually I'm going back to where I was, you, you might walk into the gym and you might okay, find people all have the latest Nike gear or the latest Adidas gear, they've all, you know, they're all slim and fit, they all, you know, seem to have, all, you know, they just seem to have that kind of image that we think of when we think of the beautiful people. It's almost like this mindfulness of the way you've come into the situation has presented the situation to you, that you're going to see the thing that your mind thinks it's going to see and it's almost like your mind will reinforce this seeing. So in that situation, you know, it's only for the beautiful people. Well, that's when people who have that perception, that mindfulness around that, that's what they're going to see. Whereas someone like myself, I've been working at Les Mills for 12 years now, a long time, and I know that the gym's not about the beautiful people. Like sure, I, the thing is, I always think that gyms are going to have fit people looking, and they're going to have people who are generally healthy looking because those are the types of people who like to exercise. But my experience doesn't tell me it's the beautiful people, as in the image that is sold. My, when I think beautiful people, I think the relationships I have with the people who I see every day in my life, and these are beautiful people because they're beautiful inside. And sure, they look healthy and they like to present themselves, you know, in a way that represents their healthy lifestyle choices. It's not because it's an image that makes them better than somebody else. So when I walk into a gym or another gym around our country, I'm not thinking these are only the beautiful people. I'm thinking, oh, choice, it's a chance to meet some new people who love the thing that I do. 
So when I walk into the gym, my mindfulness is, how can I get to meet more of these people? Because I know they're really great. So what I'm looking for is completely different to somebody who went into it thinking, gyms are only for the beautiful people. And so my actions will be completely different to those who uh, have that thinking. Now it's interesting when you think about this, it's interesting when you think about, you know, you look at all the areas of your life, you know, like, it's like someone who loves nature, when someone who goes, I just absolutely love nature, when they go for a walk out in, you know, the forest, that they'll be absorbing as much of that experience as possible, they'll look at the trees, they'll grab the leaves, they'll stop and smell the flowers or something, but then you've got someone who doesn't like being in nature, they might, hopefully there's not many of them out there, but hopefully... That, that what they'll probably experience is they'll probably go out and go, oh, it's cold and windy. Oh, my shoes are getting dirty. Oh, you know, it's all reinforcing whatever you bring into the situation. So how does this link up with the idea of your strength is your weakness? Well, we all have experience around success in our life. And, and, and I do believe a lot of the time that there's a formula that seems to work and we transfer that formula, transfer that formula into different areas. So if you look at your strength from your past experiences, when you then move into new experiences, you're almost going to go into it with that mindfulness of what creates success. I'm going to give my example here because obviously it's pretty real to me. Up until around the age of 19, 20, I was a bit of a failure in life. You know, I didn't pass school. I, I didn't even get the basic, most simplest level at school. I was, you know, druggy, you know, drinking all the time, cheated on my partner, I wasn't a very <laughs> model human being, and uh, and around 20, and I've talked about this previously on the show, I, I went through the experience of learning to play guitar, and I understood the idea that practice will, you know, if you want to be successful, you know, through practicing the guitar, I suddenly started to find success, and after a couple of years of practicing guitar, suddenly doors opened to me around music and stuff, and I realized that in life to be successful, I just have to practice. And that was one of my core lessons that got me through my early 20s. And so then I, I really took that lesson of if I want to be successful, I'm going to practice. Just work hard and practice harder than nobody else and pre- opportunities will present themselves. And this lesson was a really valuable lesson to have in my life because I took that into different areas. I took it into my spelling, which was a big issue for me. I took it into um, my new career of fitness. I went into the fitness industry and figured if I wanted to be the world's best at the thing that I do, I'm just going to practice my butt off. So, and and I did, I practiced my butt off and then opportunities presented myself and now, you know, I can look at myself and, and sit in the level of best in the world around with my peers, you know, I'm of a level where my peers are the best at what we do and I, and I sit on a similar level so I can kind of take pride in that and I, I hate talking about this stuff because I feel a little bit kind of, don't want to come across as arrogant, but you know, I am of a level that's pretty high in my industry. And so whenever I get presented with new opportunity, my mindfulness tells me that one of the key things I need to do is work my butt off. That I need to practice, practice and practice as hard as I can. Now that's a real strength. And that's one of the things that's made me successful to this point. That the strength of practicing has provided me with so many opportunities and kind of a life that, that I really love. But if I look at piano, and, I, and a piano is kind of this, my new school area, and I've, again, I've talked about it, but if I look at my piano playing, and that's the approach I've really, so I thought, okay, I want to be great at the piano. And so to be great at piano playing, what do I have to do? Well, I know practice is success, because my mindfulness tells me success comes from practice. So what have I done in the last few years on the piano? 
I've practiced my butt off. I try to get in two hours a day off, doesn't you know, somewhere from an hour to two hours a day. And I practice and I try to be focused and I have objectives so that my focus, a lot of the things that we talked about on the show, I really apply to my piano playing. And it really helps me to move forward. And I think in comparison for most people who have practiced piano for the time period I have, I'm probably doing pretty well because I'm pretty focused. But there's one part of my practice or my piano playing that I'm really lacking. And it's a massive, massive step. And it's a weakness that I have to address. And it is feedback from people who are better than me. Feedback from people who are better than me is actually probably going to help my piano playing more than me just practicing like crazy. But my history and my experience has taught me that, like I haven't really had a lot of feedback along the way. I have had, don't get me wrong, it's not that I haven't had role models or no feedback at all, but most of my success up to this point in time has really come down from that key point of just practicing my butt off. But really as a piano player, if I want to take that next step, the key for my growth is to get a peer or a role model who has you know, experience at teaching people how to play to get them to look at what I'm doing and show me the mistakes that I'm missing right now because I don't have that level of knowledge around the playing of the piano. But it's interesting. Even though I know this is the case, over the last period of time, I still haven't done it. And it's something I'm really addressing right now. I'm planning on getting lessons in the next few weeks because I, it's, well, it's partly because I'm doing this, <laughs> to be honest. But it's interesting even though I know that getting someone to give me that external feedback is going to make my playing better, I still sit in a place where I just want to, I think practice will be the thing that I do. My strength, the idea of practicing, has become my weakness because I'm not, my strength is so strong that I'm not looking at other ways to develop myself that are really clearly going to help me, if not more than my idea of practice. Now, Obviously, practice is always going to be pretty important, but by missing out on this key thing, I'm not addressing the real ways that I could grow faster in an area that I want to go to. Look at yourself, and uh, you look at yourself in your life. You know, look first. Of all, I suppose the, the big question to ask is: is when you think about being successful, what do you think of? Like for some of you guys out there, you'll probably think, "Well, feedback's the first thing I need to do," but maybe not practice. Or for other people, there'll be different ways that you've learned to be successful in the past. And when you go into new situations, you will often look to be successful based on what you know in the past. And there will come success with that. But what part are you missing that's actually not helping you be as successful as you would desire? When is your strength holding you back? I've put together a few um, just kind of quick things that can help you identify you know how to get the most out of this and I suppose the first thing to to really talk about is the idea that to use people around you who have a different method to you and how they have been successful and then try to learn from these people so for example let's say you're an athlete and it's funny even looking back at this stuff now because even as an athlete you know when I was doing my Ironman to a pretty high level everything I do was all just based on the fact that I will work hard but really if I'd actually got a coach to come alongside me and you know, look at my technique more and, and do all that kind of stuff, I would have progressed so much faster as an athlete. And while working hard helped me, you know, I kind of got there and learned the lessons far, you know, over time, I could have done these things so much faster. But a good idea is to think about the people in your life who you consider successful in the areas that you do. Well, I suppose if we're going to go take it back a step even further, it's for you to think about 
what process you think of when you think about being successful? What are the habits or the process that you use to create success? So for me, it is really about booking in time and working my butt off. And setting clear objectives for that time so I really understand what I'm meant to be doing with this time. So for me, that's the place I come from of strength. Then look at other areas where you may not have considered that there is growth from that. And that's where the people who have done it differently you can help you. So you might go sit along with another piano player or someone who does the exercise or someone at work around a certain situation. You might say, can you tell me when you're trying to be successful, what is your process? And they may say, well, you know, first thing I do is get a mentor. And then the second thing I do is whatever they choose to do. And you may actually discover other ways to be successful in what you are doing. Then what you need to do is you need to kind of figure out how this formula is going to fit together. How do you get it so that the thing that you're missing can be incorporated into your time? So for myself, my piano playing, how can I incorporate getting a a tutor to come along and teach me the things that I need to do? And to what level do I need to do this? Because the thing is, we don't want to compromise you know, the value that you have in the past. Like, I'm not going to give up practicing. It just, well, I wouldn't get any better if I didn't practice at all. But I may have to give up an hour a week of practice to bring a tutor in. Now, would that make me a better player? The answer is probably yes. And I, and I look forward to telling you guys over the next few months that definitely it has been. So what are you missing by not bringing that person in or that different way of doing things in? And then you need to add that in. The hard thing about it is, is that if you have a formula that's worked for you in the past, that's made you successful, you really, really trust that formula. So the idea of moving away from that can be a really hard thing to do. The idea of me giving up two hours of my piano practice time is a bit of a tough thing because I haven't actually had proven value in the other way. Now, when it comes to tutors, you know, I might be able to kind of, I can kind of see that there is value in doing it, but you, you know, you for me, I'm always going to trust practice. So if you don't have practice and you've got to give up some practice, you haven't actually had experience of growth and success around the other formula of doing it. So you almost just have to have a bit of blind trust going into this, the idea that you're just going to have to take a step. And I think one of the key things to making this successful is to allow enough time so you can still have your core fundamental formula in place. But alongside of that, as you're moving along, you need to think to yourself, what is, you need to almost like be aware of the gain of doing the different formula or changing the formula a little bit so it's more successful. So for, for my piano situation, I'm probably best to make sure that I actually consciously stop after I get lessons with my tutor and go, okay, what am I gaining from this time? And so that way I can see that the adding to that formula actually makes me a complete, much better successful piano player. So that while it, at first it may seem hard to give up some of that practice time because that's the way I know I'm going to be successful. While I add the tutor into the formula, I'm also recognising the value that they are bringing so that it's not so much of a hard thing for me to move away from a little bit of practice and adding that other way into it. If we look at my Yuki situation, my friend Yuki from early on in today's podcast, if we look at his situation, it's it's a really good example of that. Now, if Yuki would have identified that, so maybe his strength is his weakness a little bit earlier on, he may have started to think about, okay, well, how can I keep gym, gym floor going amazingly well, but be able to drop four hours a week from that so that I can devote that time and put the similar kind of energy that I put into the commitment of that job into working with my personal training business. 
it's interesting when you look at the Japanese culture is because it is very much about pleasing the boss. And as a personal trainer, you're a self-employed person. So he could even look at it in this way and go, okay, well, how can I create a, a system where I have to please myself or put that same level of pleasing somebody else into a, in a business where I'm not trying to impress a boss? Now, maybe in that situation, he could go, well, for me, I want to have that same level of industrialness, if there's such a word, or... or you know, high standards that I have in the gym floor manager role towards my clients. And then what would it take for me to create that? It's almost like the clients is his boss. And so he could create the clients so he feels obligated to them in the same way he would in a workplace environment where he feels he's obligated to a boss. And maybe if he could remove four hours of his work week away from the gym floor manager role where he is pretty much the best in the country at what he does and put that same level of energy and put the same kind of devotion into his personal training business, over time, his personal training business would get stronger. And as his personal training business gets stronger, he could then move more and more away from the gym floor role and have a, a much more successful personal training business based on what is important to him. So look at your own life. Look at your life and, and think about how you, bring, how you consider yourself to be strong. Are there areas of that that are actually holding you back? Is your strength in some ways becoming your weakness? That the way you look at a situation and how you approach it, while it might prove successful for a certain period of time, it may end up getting to the point where it's holding you back. That there is actually more growth to be seen by exploring that formula, challenging that formula, letting go a little bit, and moving it in a way that's going to take you to, to growth in a faster, more effective way. Once again, it is a hard thing to change because if you've figured out a success formula in life, there's a lot of trust that comes with that. But if you are willing to confront that and, and explore, I truly believe, and, and, I, and it's interesting because I am fascinated to see what happens with my piano playing over the next period. I, I actually see, and it's funny because I, 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 the trust thing isn't that hard because deep down I kind of know that by going to the, the tutor, my plane's going to get so much better because they just know stuff I don't know. But then you need to implement it. You need to create time to create awareness around the way you do it now and how you're going to do it in the future that's going to make you more successful. And if you do that, you'll be moving towards a path that helps you grow faster in the direction that you want to go in your life. And your strength will be strong in all areas that you have considered. And ultimately, that will make you that better version of yourself that I always talk about. Right, guys, that's pretty much this month's show done and dusted. Um, workbook, I have done a workbook for this month's show, and I've actually been a good boy because I've got it done before the show was released, and last month's show, I haven't even finished that one, but I, I will, hopefully I've got this up by the time this show is released, but the thing was, I, I did the best of last month, and I did the, you know, kind of how do you wrap it up, and how do you actually use all of these together, and the workbook was massive, like I put so much time into it to make it work, so... Um, and then I kind of end up doing my other business, so it kind of fell on the wayside. So I'm actually in the process of maybe getting an assistant because I've got to the point in my life where I'm juggling so many balls and I'm making it work, but soon it's going to that next level and I kind of, to take it to that next level, I need to bring somebody else on board. And I suppose it's that strength is weakness thing and there's only so much I can do. What is the best use of my time? And then how can I bring other people in to, to create the bigger picture? So 
it's pretty exciting to be honest but I'm in saying that I have got a workbook for this month's show and, and I think it's a really good one because it is funny when you look and I'm sure you've listened to this and you're probably thinking wow that, that's really true I do go into it with a certain mindfulness of how to be successful and that mindfulness while it gets me to a level of strength that I'm really happy with I may be missing out on some other opportunities because you know I have a weakness around my strength as well so yeah, so I've created a workbook. You can get that on my website, bevanjamesisles.com, and that will be $3 US. And I should have the episode 12 workbook up, which is actually a bit of a massive one. And if you want to kind of just do a quick, you know, kind of wrap up, there's shorter sections of basically every episode, and it kind of works towards giving you a plan. It's a multi kind of directional approach at really conquering an area that you may be struggling in. And I think that's a good way of doing it because, well, all of these techniques that we talk about on the show can definitely help you, but if you can come at it from lots of different angles, there's a much higher chance that you can be successful with it. So that one will be on my website, bevanjamesisles.com, but they'll be under Fitness Behaviour Episode 12, and I should get that up over the next few days. Um, what else has been happening? Well, not much else has been happening. I, I do get emails through from you guys, and I get quite a few emails, and I just thought I'd read you one out from Verity, and um, it just kind of I get so many emails saying how you enjoy my work, and I must say... If, if you ever think about writing anything about it, please do because, or don't please do, but if you feel you do, like do because it really does make my day. I, I work really hard to, to think of these ideas and to think you help you guys grow and, and I, it's, I'm a very lucky man because I get emails every day from people just saying how they really enjoy what I do and, and this one from Verity kind of really kind of wraps it up. She goes, I discovered your podcast last week when I did a general search on iTunes for the subject of affirmations. I've been in and out of fitness world all my life. I get really stuck into it with my whole heart for periods and then suddenly I lay off. It frustrates me how I couldn't seem to be consistent. I've listened to all 11 episodes over the last seven days and loved them. They've given me so much realisation, tools and resources to look up, which will take my training to the next level. Your shows are rich and informative but fun to listen to. Thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge and experience. I want fitness in my life and I know your shows is really, really going to help me achieve this. The only downside is that after cramming 11 shows in 7 days, I'm gutted I have to wait for another month for the next episode of Fitness Behaviour. But I have plenty of pointers uh, to go in to check out your next Ironman Talk podcast as well. So uh, she may have checked out. I'm not sure if she did or not. But so that's you know those are the kind of messages I get. And you know what? I'm, a, I'm such a lucky man. Like I get so much positive information from you just from the audience and from people in my world so I'm just really really appreciate that if you do want to help spread the word of the show and it's interesting the numbers seem to be getting higher and higher which is good and I really think that comes just down from word of mouth because I don't really do a lot to promote the show other than the odd tweet and Facebook status you know and what's on my website I don't really go around and promote the show so much so you know it's really great that you guys are spreading the word and, and if anything can you just do that you know if you enjoy the show and you get value from being a part of this audience just to show a friend you know send a link to a friend say hey, here's the show I listen to that's really good I've got friends who do that with me with other podcasts my mate Sean the porno he just sent me through a link to an idea podcast which I'm going to listen to and so, you know it's that stuff you know good content's out there if you're willing to find it and I kind of think that when it comes to good content it's us about us sharing with our friends so that they know it's out there so thank you so much for that if you do want to send through an email you can send it to bevanjames at gmail.com one other thing I do do is a bit of personal coaching I do coaching over Skype and um, I'm currently doing six people I try to limit it to, to, to uh, for a while I've been limiting it to five and I've recently taken on a six but I've kind of found that I'm able to kind of fit it into my timetable so I am kind of willing to take on one or two more people at the moment so if you are interested in getting me to help 
with the personal coaching side of things, um, I'm definitely keen to, I've got a couple of spots available and, and I love it. I love the personal coaching because I really come at it from a different way. I, I, I really try to come at it in, as, as in you figuring out the answers to create a life that you love. And it's so rewarding as a coach when you help people discover these these journeys that they need to make and, and create successful plans for them to overcome some behaviours that they've really struggled with and I could go on, but I, yeah, it's, it's such a rewarding part of what I do. So if you are interested in doing it, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com and I can send you through all the information about what we do there. Um, other than that, I'm um, it's a pretty exciting time in New Zealand right now because we have the Rugby World Cup coming up and the Rugby World Cup, for those people overseas, may not understand how important it is to us Kiwis, but I, you know, if there's a big sport in New Zealand, it's, it's rugby and most most New Zealanders are brought up with rugby. Well, you, you can't really miss it, even if you're not really into rugby. And it's um it's a big event to have the Rugby World Cup here because we are a pretty small nation. You know, only four million people in New Zealand. So to have the Rugby World Cup here is a bit of an awesome achievement. The downside is that being in Christchurch with the earthquake that we've experienced this year, it meant that the, the games that were meant to be played in New Zealand, Christchurch have gone away. So in a way, we're not really having the true World Cup experience in Christchurch. But at the same time, I'm going away this weekend with my friend Sean and a few of his mates and we're going to head down to watch the Argentinians play um, the Poms, play the England team. So we're getting all dressed up and we're, it's going to be a really, really wicked experience. I'm really looking forward to it. So we're going to make the most of the experience. We're driving down on the morning of the game, um, which is about a five-hour drive from Christchurch through to Dunedin. And then we're going to drive down and then get into it party hard and make, I don't know if we have a late night, we're getting old for that. <laughs> but get into the game, experience it. Dunedin has this new stadium which I've spent millions and millions of dollars on and apparently it's pretty special so I got all that to look forward to and then coming up over the next few months I'm just kind of what else have I got coming on oh not much just loving my new house and you know one thing I'm loving was we've got a spa and I've never had a spa before and when you do long runs I've got a race coming up in a few weeks and I've been running a lot and when you do long runs having a spa afterwards is a bit of a treat I'm kind of loving it I am doing this race called the Abel Tasman race and it's a running race it's about 36k's and it's a it's it's basically the Abel Tasman is probably one of the most beautiful national parks in the world and you basically walk along the coastline of the top of the South Island in New Zealand and I've walked it a few years ago, it takes about four days to walk, you kind of walk four or five hours a day and then you kind of camp over for night and seriously it is just paradise and once a year they have a running race on it, now it's a really limited entry because it's a national park so they can't have too many people running on the course but I managed, it's really hard to get into but I managed to get into it this year and so I've been training over the last kind of six weeks to get myself up to run 36k's and so looking forward to it because it's one of those runs where mentally you just kind of you just flow through it because you just surrounded by beautiful nature so I've got that coming up in a few weeks my goal is to get in the top 10 so it'll be interesting to see how I go but you know I suppose my goal is to have good processes really but we'll be interesting to see how it goes anyway um if you have anything else um no just make sure you sign up for my newsletters i send out a newsletter probably two or three times a month just with some more thinking around some of the stuff i kind of promote you can get that on bevanjamesisles.com and if you're not a facebook friend check it out get a facebook friend although i am running out of friends i only have five thousand friends and i'm currently about four thousand six hundred so um i can't have too many friends i might have to start a fan page which just sounds stupid i tell my daughter i go told my daughter tyler she's um she's a 14 year old kid she's a great kid and i said oh babe I might have to get a fan page soon, and she just thought I was a dork, so <laughs> you got to keep your kids to keep your real way. Anyway, team, thanks so much for your time. I really look forward to talking to you guys next month. Feel free to email me. Feel free to get in contact on Twitter or Facebook, and uh, I'll be seeing you guys real soon. 
See you, bye.